Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today is part two of a sermon called The King Who Would Not Rely on the Lord. Friends, we're talking about King Asa out of 2 Chronicles chapters 14 to 16. We're going to learn many principles today, primarily what it means for you and I to rely on the Lord. I'm so glad you're listening to Awakened to Grace. Let's take God's Word and let's go together and let's learn from the life of King Asa. And I thought of a friend of mine that recently passed of cancer who had all hope and all faith that the Lord was going to heal him. And yet he passed. And I thought about him this morning. And I thought, Lord, that, that humanity in me, that frailness in me, that smallness in me, that, oh, ye of unbelief in me, said, but Lord, what about him? He relied on you. Didn't you let him down? Didn't work out for him, did it? Our hearts are so wicked, aren't they? John Bunyan, that great man who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, said there's enough sin in my greatest prayer to damn the world. And I said, Lord, I, 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 and the Lord said, no, tell the people, you never go wrong relying on the Lord. Well, Lord, what about him? He relied on you. And things didn't work out. Well, I could feel the sharp rebuke of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, Chad, you're looking through a knot hole. You don't see it all. You see through a glass dimly. You don't know how that man's faith is going to glorify me while the ages roll forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You see only in days. You see only in weeks. You see only in years. But God said, I see for all of eternity. Amen. You're looking through a knot hole and that's it. And the Lord said, no, you never go wrong relying on me. Even when it appears that God let us down. I remember when my dad faced death and he was right at the point of passing. I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, Chad, the day that your dad dies will become the greatest day of his entire life. The last breath he takes on earth will be the first breath he breathes celestial air. Amen. I don't want to base my faith on this old sinful world. I don't want to base my faith on God doing what I can only see through a glass dimly. I don't want to base my faith on looking through a small knot hole. I want to take God at his word. And I want to believe the whole counsel of God. Can we say amen today? The Bible says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. Amen.
What does it mean to rely on God? What does it mean for your heart to rely on God? I believe it means that you have trusting confidence that God is who he says he is and God will do what God says he will do. That's relying on the Lord. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us? Trust in the Lord. Oh, you know it. Hallelujah. With all your what? Heart. Oh, I love it. You know why I love that? Because God knows it's an emotional thing. It is a vulnerable thing to trust God with all your heart. Amen. And times you get your hopes up and they get fallen. And times you get sick over deferred hope. And times that you wonder, is God really listening? And does God really see? And does God really care? No, my friend, the Bible says, in yet still all of that, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. You can give God every emotion you have today. And you can trust him with every emotion you've got. It's a vulnerable thing. It's an emotional thing to walk with God and trust in him. Amen. But what does he say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon your own understanding. I shared with prayer meeting Tuesday night. So many of you, you're standing with me in faith that God's going to open these blind eyes. Amen. <laughs> I meet people all the time. Let me tell you, people I don't even know in person who messages me and says, Chad, I pray for you every day that God opens your eyes. Boy, boy, that's a lot of prayer seed being sown. Amen. And there's a harvest coming to the glory of God. Well, after our great and mighty healing Sunday, boy, didn't God do so much? It was a day ordained by the Holy Spirit. And was I disappointed that the Lord didn't heal my eyes that day? Yes, I was. I told the Lord in the days following, I struggled. I struggled. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I let myself get my hope up. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord said, oh, Chad, come here. Come, you, oh, I'm so sorry. No, he didn't do that at all. <laughs> you know what the Lord did? The Lord said, good, get your hope up. Because that's what faith does. It gets your hope up. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Amen. God didn't coddle me. God didn't rub the back of my head and said, oh, everything's going to be all right. No, God said, that's right. Keep your hope up. Amen. Keep walking this thing out. What did Abraham do in Romans chapter 4? He waited on God. He disregarded his body. And rather than growing weak, he grew stronger in faith. Amen. What are we to do? We're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not upon our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. Friends, that's relying on the Lord. 
It's when you stop looking at yourself. It's when you stop trusting in other people. It's when you don't lean upon your own knowledge or your own understanding or your own strength. But in every one of your ways, you acknowledge God and he begins to direct your path. Friends, that's relying on God. I want the kind of trusting, I want the kind of confidence in God that nothing and no unbelief and no sorrow and no disappointment and no trial and no heartache can shake my faith with the Lord. Amen? Relying on God. God is with you while you are with Him. He will be found by you if you seek him. Friends, relying on God is you seeking God with all your heart, with all your soul, with God becoming your greatest desire, verse 15. And that's when God's going to be found in your life, when you seek him with all of your heart. Hallelujah. Do you have confidence in God today? Are you able to say like David, Psalm 121? Where does your help come from? David said, I will lift up my eyes into the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Is that your confidence today? Or is your confidence other people? Is your confidence you? Is your confidence your job today? Is your confidence your retirement or your nest egg or the economy? Your confidence ought to be in the Lord. One of the greatest songs of our faith is the song, Tis So Sweet, to trust in Jesus. How many of you love that song? Do you know how that song was written? The late 1800s, Louisa Stead had just gotten married, and they had a little girl, I think four years old, and she and her husband went to enjoy a day at the beach in Long Island, New York. Having a picnic on the beach in the late 1800s. All of a sudden, they hear a cry for help out of the Atlantic Ocean, and a young boy was drowning. And Mr. Stead ran to meet him, pulled him, tried to rescue him from the water. And the story goes that he did rescue him, but sadly, Mr. Stead was pulled down by the undercurrent and he drowned. In those days, in the late 1800s, you didn't have. Safe social safety nets, and he didn't have the any kind of help in that regard. And their little four-year-old daughter Lily and Louisa was trusting God and living by faith. And one day they came to a point where groceries had ran out and they had nothing more to eat. Louisa cried out to the Lord. Her confidence was in God. She relied on the Lord and she cried out to God and she asked God for help and she waited for God to move and trusted in Him. Later that evening, the account goes, she heard a knock on her front door and she goes to answer it and nobody's there. No one's there. But on her front porch, someone had filled it with groceries and had left an envelope with no name but stuffed it full of cash for enough money to meet their needs. She came in so overwhelmed, so overcome. She wrote those timeless and those beautiful words, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Amen. 
Where's your confidence today? Are you relying on the Lord? Some of you in this economy, you're going to have to decide. Am I going to rely on God? Am I going to rely on the economy? Am I going to rely on God? Am I going to rely on my workplace? Am I going to rely on my job as my source or is God my source? Some of you are going to have to make a decision as your children grow. Some of you, your children, God will call them into full-time ministry. Some, he may even call overseas to work in foreign lands and dangerous places. And you'll have to make a decision. Is my confidence in me and the American dream? Or is my confidence in the Lord? What does it mean to rely on God, it means that you make a decision to not lean upon your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He come from a dysfunctional home and he overcame it. Verses 16, 17, verses 18 and 19. I want you to note this. He took gold and silver, sacred gifts to the Lord from his forefathers. And I want you to note this. Asa made his own sacred gifts to the Lord, brought them into the house of the Lord, into the treasury. And that's where this chapter closes. Now, go to chapter 16, and let me briefly walk you through the end of Asa's life. We've seen him do well. We've seen him face the first major battle, and his prayer was, God, I rely on you. We see him respond to the prophet's words. We see him respond to the word of God with pure obedience. He makes a brand new covenant. He sets his heart to seek God, and there's a mighty revival in the land. He removes idolatry. Boy, things just couldn't be going better for King Asa. Now, do you remember what we said about chapter 15? Such revival was taking place in the south that multitudes deserted the north, which was called Israel, for geographical purposes. They deserted the north and came down to the south. So watch what the king of Israel does in chapter 16, verse 1. He seals up the border, preventing travel. No one else can desert the north and come to the south. So what does King Asa do? Now, think about this, church. For the first 10 years of his reign, there's rest in the land, there's peace in the land, there is no war, and God has made the realm of Asa quiet. And then 15 years into his realm, this mighty army out of Ethiopia comes against him, and what does he do? He relies on the Lord. God gives a great battle. And now as you go through chapter 15, we see restoration, we see reformation, we see revival. And now, instead of relying on God and looking to God, what Asa has done over 20 years from his 15th reign to his 35th year reign, he grows prideful. And he relies on himself. And I want you to look at verses 2 and 3 particularly. He takes the sacred gifts. He takes the gold and he takes the silver out of the treasury of the Lord, out of the house of the Lord, those things that were holy, those things that were consecrated, those things that belonged to God. And he sent them to the king of Syria. And he talked the king of Syria into coming against Israel. And here's what he did. He finagled. Here's what he did. He worked the angle. 
What he did is he got clever and he got crafty. And what he did is rather than looking to the Lord and relying on the Lord, he relied on his own wisdom. He relied in his own strength. There's some of you right now that you're facing decisions. Some of you right now have decisions that you have to make. And you're weighing out your options. You're weighing the pros and the cons. But in all of your decision making, you're not looking to the Lord. You're not seeking his guidance. You're not asking for his discernment. You're making your own decisions. Friends, do you know what you're doing? You are relying on your own understanding. Friends, that's forsaking the Lord. I want to share this with you today, my precious friends, because I want you to understand that God is not only concerned about the religious part of your life. No, he's concerned about every single area of your life. Every decision you have to make, the Lord wants to be front and center of it all. And he'll help you if you look to him, if you rely on him and you don't lean upon your own understanding. So what happens? He gives a mighty offense to God. He gives a mighty insult to God. He takes what belongs to the Lord, the gold and the silver that belongs to him. He takes it and he sends it to Syria. Friends, I take that so serious. You know, many of you know there are many things very dear and near to my heart that are ministry things. Things like awakened to grace. Things like Bible translation work. These things are dear to my heart. I think about them all the time. I pray about them all the time. I work with every ounce in me in these areas. But do you know what I will not do? I will not take my tithe and reallocate. You know why? Because, friends, it's not mine. It belongs to the Lord. And it's not mine to reallocate. It is the Lord's. So what do I do with what belongs to the Lord? What in, in, in our day would be our gold and silver? What do we do with what belongs to the Lord? We give it to the Lord. In the way that God says, and what does he say? His storehouse. I don't reallocate. Even though my passion is evangelism. Even though my passion is Bible translations. Even though my passion is heralding the gospel on every single platform that we can afford. Even though that is the passion that I have. My tithe belongs to the Lord. So what do I want to do when I want to give to things like Bible translations? I give an offering. I give an offering unto the Lord. But I don't mess with the Lord's tithe. That is holy, and it belongs unto him and him alone for his storehouse, not for my pet projects. Even though they're worthy causes, it's not what God requires. Now, verses 2 and 3, he insults the Lord. He takes the gold, the silver. He takes the sacred gifts of the Lord, and he sends it up to the king of Syria. Now the prophet's going to come to him. Now look, verses 4, 5, and 6. It would appear that King Asa got away with his sin. It would appear that there are no ramifications. As a matter of fact, it would appear that he made the right decision. 
And it would appear that his decision has paid off until the prophet of the Lord shows up. Verses 7, 8, and 9, the prophet tells him, No, you've acted foolishly, Asa. I want you to pay attention to verse 8. The prophet tells him, Asa, how could you have looked to the Lord when it came to the Ethiopians? And yet you relied on the king of Syria and not the Lord. Do you see his offense? Oh, friends, how easy it is for us to forget the victories God has won in our past. How easy it is for us to face a challenge tomorrow and forget what God did yesterday. How easy it is for us to fail to recognize God rescued us back then. God will rescue us today. God didn't need our cleverness back then, and God doesn't need our cleverness today. God didn't need my strength back then, and God doesn't need my strength today. What God needs is for me to rely on Him. In verse number 9, he says, you've acted foolishly. Verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, you've acted foolishly. Now now remember through chapter 14, five times he emphasizes there is peace in the land. There's quiet. There's rest in the land. There are no wars in the land. And now look at the judgment of verse 9. Going forward, he said, you've acted foolishly. And going forward, you will have wars. Now rather than being sensitive to the Lord rather than repenting, rather than crying out to the Lord, rather than reversing course, Asa hardens his heart. And I want you to look at verse 10. It enraged him. Oh, what a foolish thing. It enraged him. You know what he did? He took the prophet of God and threw him into prison and he afflicted the people. How foolish, Asa. The man who relied so heavily on the Lord. The man who started out so well. The man who led the nation back to revival. And now he's off track. I want you to look at verse number 12. Now this is interesting. There was a disease that came into Asa's feet. We are now in the 39th year of his reign. And no longer is Asa looking to the Lord. No longer is he doing what's right in the eyes of God. No longer is his heart following God. Now notice what it says. A disease came into his feet and grew severe. Now scholars believe this could have been gout. But most likely it was gangrene. The fact that scripture says it was severe. We believe that Chronicles was written literally by a team of chronicles, uh, people who, who chronicled the history of, of Judah and Israel under the direction of Ezra. And it grew severe. They believe that means it spread upward throughout his body. And I want you to look at the most awful phrase here. And Asa sought, rather than seeking help from the Lord, he sought the help of physicians. Do you see how far Asa got off track? In chapter 14, he sought the Lord. Remember what the prophet said? The Lord is with you while you are with the Lord. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. And now Asa, in his old age, with most likely gangrene spreading throughout his body, 
He refuses to look to the Lord. Instead, he looked to physicians. Friends, he stopped relying on God. And look at verse 13. In the 41st year of his reign, Asa died. Friends, he refused to repent. I want to challenge you today. Some of you are doing well. But will you continue to do well? Will you be close to the Lord 20 years from this day? Will you still be walking with God two years from this day? Will you stay sensitive to the Lord two months down the road? We don't know what's ahead of us. But you can make the commitment today. I'm going to live a life that relies I'm not going to look to myself. I'm not going to look to other people. I'm going to look to the Lord.